Lord, uh, we just come before you this morning with humble hearts and a listening ear. And Lord, uh, I just thank you for allowing me, for allowing Pastor to give me the opportunity to be here and speak in his absence. And so Lord, I pray that you would just be with him and his family, that you would be with me here on stage, and you'd be with his church. And Lord, uh, just let every word that comes out of my mouth be from you and not of me. And so Lord, we pray. Amen. So speaking about prayer, the Lord was working with me pretty hard this these past two weeks about prayer. And um, the title of my message today is A Humble Prayer When You Pray. A few weeks ago, Pastor was preaching and talking about the church in Ephesus and how they had stopped praying and they became a dying church. They turned away from the very thing that started the church was prayer and teaching. God sent the Apostle Paul to go and build churches and he taught them how to pray. And after a while, they drifted away from prayer, they drifted away from the truth, and they drifted away from God. And what happened? The church died and the Holy Spirit was no longer present there. And so about a week ago, I had the opportunity to go to Dallas with Pastor to the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. I had never been to one, so I didn't know what to expect. But I remember, and, and this is probably like the only thing that that, that that struck me the entire time we were there, was during the service, during the, the, the president's sermon, he said this. Everyone was listening. Everyone was kind of talking amongst themselves. And the president himself said, the danger with the church today is that we have become a prayerless church. And as I heard those words, all the chatter, all the whispering, just silence. And this was a room full of pastors and leaders, and it just got quiet. The church has become a prayerless church because we have become prayerless. There's been times where I have become prayerless. Or we make it about ourselves and we become prideful. How many churches have you been to? How many churches have I gone to that they have become prideful and they have become a prayerless church because the pastors, the leaders, and the congregation forget to pray or they don't know how to pray. They don't know when to pray. And so God wrecked me last week. And the churches that do know how to pray, when do they pray? And what happens when they pray? And so after Pastor had finished his sermon, his series about the church in Ephesus, I asked him, can we start praying here? Can we pick just one day out of the week and pray as a church in the morning, afternoon, however they may, that might look like? And for the past month, it has just been a couple of us. And when we pray, how we pray, at the end of the week, we see all of those prayers, all of those cries happen because we come together and without a prideful heart, but with a pure heart, we cry out to him and our prayers are answered. And so like the church in Ephesus, do we want to be a dying prideful church? Do we want to be a dying prideful person? Or do you want to be a living humble church? I know which one I want. And for the past four days, I've been praying and praying, God, 
I want to be a humble person. I want to be a humble church. So how do we do that? When we pray, how do we become humble? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> if you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, it's referring to the Lord's Prayer. And just a, just a quick recap before I read. Just previously in chapter 5, God is on the, is on the, he's teaching the Sermon of the Mount. In this, in that chapter, he talks about having a pure heart. And when you're a pure heart, you shall see God. But when you're prideful, don't. And so verse 5 says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I'm going to be honest. I had never read this scripture until four days ago. I've heard about it. I've, I've listened to other pastors preach on it, but I have never personally gone and read it. And so when I'm teaching on how to pray, God was showing me, well, this is how you pray. Wow. Blew my mind. I like when it says, and when you pray. It doesn't say if you pray or how you pray. It say maybe I'll pray, but when you pray, pray like this. You must not be like the hypocrites. So what is a hypocrite? I thought I knew what a hypocrite was. Until I read this, I was convicted. A hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypocrites, meaning an actor, a stage player, or a pretender. Someone pretending to be something that he or she isn't in order to receive recognition or gain. It's a result of pride. How many of us have been guilty of trying to do something for recognition or for gain? How many of us have walked into some a church or job to do something or act like something to be noticed? The Greek interpretation literally means interpreter from underneath. Actors who were Greek actors who wore masks and spoke from underneath it. Are we pretending to be something that we're not? Are we wearing a mask? What appearance are you trying to portray? The hypocrites, the Pharisees, when they went out and stood in the synagogues, sit on the street corners, they didn't do it for God. They didn't do it to glorify His name. They didn't do it to preach the gospel. They didn't do it to see people get healed, see people get saved. They did it for themselves. They did it to put on a show. They did it for the experience. They did it for, the, for an appearance. They had bad intentions. What are our intentions? What intentions do you have? What is your agenda? What is the church's agenda? Prayer is pure. It is not prideful. What happens when we're prideful? What happens when we try to pray with a prideful heart? I've tried it. It, it don't work out in the end. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I have. It's not fun. Don't pray with the heart of a hypocrite, but pray with a heart led by the Holy Spirit. What happens when you turn away from pride and you pray with a pure heart, and you pray being led by the Holy Spirit. 
I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, we were praying here Tuesday morning. And before it was my turn to pray, I couldn't pray. I was trying. I was wanting. I had all this stuff in my head and in my heart that I wanted to let go. I wanted to let out. I wanted to share. I wanted to cry out. I'm like, nope, couldn't pray. Why? I was asking. I was sitting right here, standing right here. Why can't I pray? What am I dealing with so much that I, I can't even pray for other people? I had to really dig deep in my heart and see what was the issue. I had to pray for myself. I had to pray for myself. I had to pray for my heart and for my attitude and for the things that I was struggling with that I caused. I'm standing here and I'm sitting here and I'm saying, God, why am I struggling? Why can't I get past this? Well, you caused it. Everything that you're seeing and you're struggling with and you're dealing with, it's your fault. I had to let go of my pride. I was being too stubborn. I was being arrogant and selfish with my prayers. And so I had to pray to release all of that. And when I did, tears released with it, cried like a baby. But after, after I let go of my pride and I had a pure heart and all of my intentions were pure, the words that I spoke, the people that I prayed for, came out the way God wanted it because it was led by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't led by myself. It wasn't led by my intentions or my desires or my thoughts. It was led by the Holy Spirit. Prayer is directed by the Holy Spirit. If we try to produce it, we get canceled. We can't produce the Holy Spirit. We can't go out and pretend to try and be like the hypocrites and the Pharisees and produce something that isn't there because we're not the director. God is. The Holy Spirit is. I've been to so many churches where they had all the right intentions to go minister, to do missions, to do outreach, to have a big, huge praise and worship band, but they had no Holy Spirit. They weren't led because it was all about me and let's see what we can do. And they got canceled. A prideful agenda comes with disgrace and destruction. When we're full of pride and we try to do things on our own accord, disgrace, and destruction. How do I know that? Well, in Proverbs 11 to 16 and 18, talks about being prideful. The church I went to before I came here, now I was a prideful person. That was a prideful pastor. I didn't know it at the time because he was really good at performing. He was really good at wearing a mask. He was really good at pretending to be something that he wasn't. But the moment he walked into our city, he walked in with pride and not purity. From the very first church service that we had, this is what he said. We are a worshiping church. We are a word church. And we are a praying church. We were a worshiping church. We were a word church. But we were not a praying church. We thought we were, but we weren't. Because he came full of arrogance. He came with the mentality of wanting to be like a big church from Houston bringing that down here to Corpus. And when I told him, Corpus sees right through people. When you're trying to build a church, we see right away your agenda. We want authentic. We want real. And at first, it was that. And when he started to see that the numbers of the people weren't matching up to what he thought he saw in his vision, right away he became prideful. And the next thing I know, he disappeared without a word, went back to Houston. Church closed and we got stuck with all the congregation and the members. Prideful agenda, disgrace and destruction. Let's drop the pride and be humble. A pure 
prayer is a humble prayer. It's pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. What's a pure heart? How do you know if you have a pure heart? Good conscience. What's your mentality when you pray? What are you praying for? Are you struggling with certain things that you need to release before you start to pray? Before you start to preach? Sincere faith. When you pray, are you actually believing what you're praying for? Have you prayed for something and just, well, God, if you want to, if it's meant to be, is that sincere faith? I'm guilty of that. I've prayed for so many things and just, God, if it's your will. Or the church. Does the church have a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith? Most of the churches I've been to, they didn't have that. And that's why I either left or they closed down. Let's be a church that prays to worship, not prays to be worshipped. When you're a church that prays to worship, you see the great things happen. You see revival happen. Revival is something that we've been talking about for the past three months. Pray to worship, not to be worshipped. The Pharisees, the hypocrites, everything they did was to be worshipped. And what happens? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What's their reward? Not seeing God, not seeing the kingdom of heaven, because that's what the chapter previously says, that a pure heart, you shall see God. Prideful heart, you ain't going to see that. When we pray with a heart of purity and not pride, we experience something real, something holy. Have you experienced something real? When was the last time you experienced something real? Just take a moment and think about that. When was the last time you experienced true holiness from God? If you can't think, if the last time it happened was a month ago, that's way too long. And I'm guilty of that. I wouldn't say that if I wasn't guilty of it. The last time something amazing happened in my family was three years ago. For the past three years, it's been nothing but chaos in my family. And I feel like part of that is because I stopped praying. I'm just being real. It's not in my notes. Three years ago, my mom accused my father of doing something. It wasn't true. I invited my family to come here today, and it's probably a good thing that they couldn't come. My mom accused my dad of something horrible that was not true. And in that moment, it broke me. From the time that my mom taught me how to pray, I was maybe Graceland's age. I would pray every single night. Lord, do this in my family. Lord, do this. Lord, do this in my friends. Do this in my school. Lord, bless my dad with a truck. Everything that I prayed, I saw. Maybe not right there and then, but a year from now, 10 years later, I saw all of those prayers. I had a brother. I have a brother. For 17 years, I didn't know him. And for 17 years, I prayed. God, I want a relationship with my brother. I want to know my brother. I want to have sleepovers with my brother. It took 17 years for that to happen. I saw something real. I saw the holiness of God. But when this happened with my parents, I stopped praying. I didn't start praying again until just recently. I didn't start praying again for that situation. They got back together. Thank you, God. I saw something real. And then I stopped praying. And now they're possibly getting divorced. 
why did I want, why do I want to pray? I don't want to keep praying for that anymore. So I stopped. I got prideful. I didn't know I got prideful. I got prideful in my prayers. I didn't think it was worth praying for that anymore. And God said, it's not about you. It's not about how you feel or what you think or the outcome of that relationship. But pray to me and see what I'm going to do. And so that's my new prayer. I said, Lord, you are God that can do miracles, who can do breakthroughs, who can change the ugliest of hearts. If you can change all of that, if you can change the worst of people, I know that you can change my parents. Matter of fact, just last Tuesday, we had prayer. The day before, my dad called me and asked me if I was going over for Thanksgiving. I told him no. Just couldn't do it. Of course, we got in an argument. And so again, as I'm up here trying to pray, I have that prideful heart. <laughs> and what happened? The Lord shut me down. Prayer is for God's presence, not your performance. What happens when you make it about you? How many times have we made prayer about us like the Pharisees? They try to make everything about them. It was more important to be a performer than it was to sit and kneel in the presence of God. They never experienced anything holy. They didn't even know what they were missing. How can you miss something that you don't even know or haven't experienced? How many of us have experienced the presence? How many of us have sat in the presence of God and then forgot about it? Or it's been a long time. What happens when you make it about you? We become pointless. The prayers become pointless. The church becomes pointless. The church I was at, that church became pointless. The city of Corpus doesn't even know about the church. If I were to ask them, hey, have you heard about Outpour Church? No, it became pointless. The only people who know about it are us two and five other people that still keep in contact with us. Everyone else, Outpour, who? Can you imagine being a church that's been here for what, almost 110 years? I believe we're almost going to celebrate 110 years. Can you imagine if we just became pointless? I've only been here for three months, almost four. I don't want to be a church that becomes pointless. I know you don't either. Amen? Let's be a powerful church, not a pointless church. How do we become a powerful church? By sitting in God's presence not worrying about how we are performing. Sometimes we're not going to perform good. We're messed up people. We're a mess. We pretend. We make mistakes. We lie. We cheat. Still, our life becomes a performance of trying to make somebody happy, someone happy, something happy, ourselves happy. And that's not what God wants. Come sit in my presence and make me happy. Make him proud. Let's be a powerful church. You want to be a powerful church? Raise your hand. Yeah? You want to be a powerful church? So what kind of prayers are you praying? Are they small prayers? Or big prayers? There's a story that 
I never get tired of hearing. And talks about big prayers. Paralyzed mom sitting on a hospital bed by herself. But a little bitty tiny toddler knew what the presence of God was. He knew what a pure heart was. He knew what holiness was. And he knew that with God, he can experience something real. So with a bottle of vegetable oil, every day he prayed and he prayed and he prayed until he saw his mama walking from the neck down to walking. What was his intention? Where was his heart? It wasn't a prideful heart. It wasn't to wow the hospital and the nurses and the doctors because he wanted to experience the power. Pay, pray big prayers. Don't be scared to pray big prayers. I stopped praying big prayers. It's been a long time since I prayed a big prayer and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing churches not pray big prayers. Verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. God tells us to go pray in secret, not so that nobody can see or hear us, but because sometimes we just need to check our hearts. God wants to pull us aside, shut the door when no one is looking, when no one can hear us, and check yourself, check our hearts. A lot of times we want to be heard by men and not God. Sometimes we want the credit for those big prayers. And God's like, nope, go to your room, you're grounded. No. But when you're in your room, when you're in your prayer closet, when you're in that secret place, the quiet place, it's just you and him, no one else. It's you and him. And you get to be intimate. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror. God, what am I dealing with? What do I have in me that I don't need to have? Am I full of pride? Am I full of selfishness? Am I full of anger? Hate? Resentment? Bitterment? Bitterness? Sometimes we just need to go put ourselves in a timeout, go in our closet, shut the door, and just cry out. When was the last time you've done that? Three months ago, before I came to this church, I was in a bad place. I was depressed. I was angry. I was bitter. And I had resentment. And finally, of all places, I was in the shower and I cried so loud for so long. No one could hear me, but God heard me. I cried and I cried and I cried and I yelled and I screamed and I said, God, I am so lost. Don't know what happened. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's next. I'm scared. I'm afraid. 
and I'm alone. And I need you to show up. Not today, not tomorrow, but I need you to show up right now. Following week, I found myself in the back pew of this church. And I found my home. I found my purpose. I found my passion. And I found God's presence. How many of us just need to go in our secret place, shut the door, and cry out? The Pharisees never did that. They never experienced that. When we go look for Him in private, we can go pour out in public. A humble prayer seeks the Father. A hypocritical prayer seeks the fame. I got humble in that shower and I cried out to seek the Father's face, seek His presence. A hypocritical prayer, you just want all the attention, all the fame, all the recognition. Come pour out to me first. What does a humble prayer look like? When you pray in secret, you know what happens? When you get away from everyone, when you get away from the noise, you get away from the chaos, and you go pray in secret, your sincerity, sensitivity, and your security in God is revealed. The sincereness of your prayers, the sincereness of your heart, of your cry, you find it deep down in there. The sensitivity. I never knew how sensitive I could be. My dad was manly, macho man and rough and tough on me. I didn't know how sensitive I could be until I really, really prayed and became vulnerable with God. Security. I felt safe. I have all the security in the world to pray what I want to pray to God and not be heard. The secret prayers that no one knows about. Sometimes we need to do that. Be vulnerable. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Do not heap up empty phrases. You know what that means? Heap means mindlessly. It means pointless. Repetitive. It doesn't make any sense. Scripture tells us, when you pray, don't pray to me mindlessly and thoughtlessly. Don't ramble on. But know what you're praying for. Know what you want when you pray. When you ask God, prayer is about quality, not your quantity. God doesn't care how much you pray. I can pray every day, every hour, and it means nothing. Have you ever prayed at night and then forgot what you were praying for and fell asleep? I have. I've just been praying and rambling on and rambling on and pass out, fall asleep. And then I end up waking up with a nightmare. But I was praying, God, why am I having this bad dream? I was praying. But were you really? Or were you just mumbling 
and rambling, mindless, thoughtless, pointless words. Same thing when we pray for something big. How many big prayers do we pray and we don't pray? We just, oh God, I'm believing that you're going to do this and do that and amen. I've seen that. I've heard it. It's the quality, the, the authenticness and the genuineness and the power of your prayer. When you ask your parents for something, you're specific, right? Christmas is coming up. When you write down your Christmas list, you are specific to a T. I want this. I want that. Ever seen that, that movie with the, the BB gun? Was it a Christmas story? When that little boy, he's telling his parents, I want this type of BB gun. And then I can't even remember it because it's so long. But very specific that he wants it and he gets it because he knows what he wants. Can our prayers be like that? When we pray, can we pray knowing what we want? Knowing what we're praying for? Expecting what God's going to do? Pray with purpose and meaning, not mindless, thoughtless words. Let out your cries. Be honest when you pray. Don't pray like a heart. Don't pray with a heart like the Pharisees and the hypocrites. Don't pray with a prideful heart, but pray with purpose, preparation, and perseverance. What's the purpose of your prayer? What's the purpose of our heart? What's the purpose of this church? Prepare your prayers. Know what you're asking God for. And believe that you're going to receive. Prepare for the yes. Prepare for that answered prayer. Pray with perseverance. Just because you didn't see it happen right there and then. Just because you didn't see it happen the next day. Just because you haven't seen revival in this church for 110 years doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Amen? Persevere. Right now, I'm praying for perseverance in my family. I'm tired. I've doubted. I've given up. But when you have a pure heart, God says, keep on praying. So I keep on praying. And I keep on believing. And I know that in the end, my family is going to see a work we're going to see a miracle. I know that when this church keeps praying, when we humble our hearts, when we humble our lives, when we humble our prayers, our attitude, I know that this church is going to see amazing, amazing things. 110 years this church has stood here and I'm pretty sure I know why. Because of prayer. Let's keep on praying. Let's keep on expecting. Let's continue to have a humble heart. And as the worship team comes, let's worship. And let's ask God, have I been prideful? Am I guilty of not being a humble servant? A humble prayer warrior? What is it that I have in me that I haven't prayed for a very long time that I need to pray about? 
And as they're worship as they're praising and worshiping, the altar is open. This whole building is a secret place. So let's shut the door, shut the distractions, shut the chaos, and just pray. Can we do that? Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for showing us that this message is not how to pray or what to pray, but when we pray, where should our hearts be? And so, Lord, I pray that this church, that the congregation, that we would just have our hearts set on you, that we would have pure intentions, pure motives, 